welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Nittany Blues Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, joined as always by my co-host and wingman, Vince. And Vince, it is Ohio State Week. It is put up or shut up time for Penn State. They're coming in to Ohio Stadium, 6-0. and It's time for Penn State to put its money where its mouth is. Yeah, time to nut up or shut up. Uh, you know, pun intended here with, yeah. the, with the Buckeyes. That's right. Um, yeah, it's Ohio State hate week and... Um, yeah, I can't. I can't wait to talk to the game. Talk to you about the game today, and uh, dive down to your thoughts and how you think it's going to play out. So, how are you doing? Good, man. Yeah, just uh, um, Phillies are kind of keeping our spirits high after the Eagles uh, broke our hearts against the Jets. Um, funny story. My my boss is a Jets fan, and so <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he like he and I were briefly talking about it today, and he was like, "Man, when." Jalen like dropped back. I was like, is he actually going to throw this ball talking about his like final interception that ultimately, you know, led to the go ahead touchdown. But yeah, so the Phillies are are doing well, knock on wood. Uh, so just hoping that continues. So all in all doing well. Yeah. Maybe that's one of those things where it's like a soul for a soul type yeah. of deal. And you have to lose one to, cause I remember there was like some like random Houston fan that was like, well, I would like, you know, sacrifice Deshaun Watson for like a Houston Astros World Series. And then like, I think he like tore his ACL and like right. spring practice like a week later or something like that. So, oh, man. Something like that. Now, am I willing to sacrifice uh, a Jalen Hay- Jalen Hurts like torn ACL? I would say probably not. Hell no. Um, <laughs> probably not for uh, <laughs> one Phillies World Series, but I would sacrifice our all time winning streak against the jet. Cause that was just like, man, a punch in the gut to go 12 and Oh, the franchise is not in necessarily the great place. And my, uh, my old roommate was a diehard jets fan and oh, he didn't yeah. think they had a snowball's chance in how to win that game. And just to see Jalen with less than two minutes left, the jets offense hasn't done anything all day and they've only gotten field goals off of short fields. Just, you know, throw the ball away, punt, like take the sack, make them burn a timeout. Like I'm very confident with how the defense is playing that the jets would not have been able to march up the field with Zach Wilson. And that's what makes it hurts more too. Like, it's not like we lost Aaron Rodgers. We lost our perfect streak against the jets to freaking Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Sports is weird like that. Yeah. But Hey, we got a Phillies win and they're up in the sixth here. Uh, I am a little worried. Our our closures have not been doing great. The starting pitching has been really good. So, uh, you know, hopefully the closers, uh, you know, do enough to hold on for another victory. Yeah, that's right. But uh, we got a big one this week, Vince. Ohio State. It is every Penn State's fans like favorite week. It's the week we get most nervous for. Um, Yeah, we just if you do not have a burning passion and hatred for Ohio state, you might need to check your fan status here. Like this is (laughs) just years after years of heartbreak. Um, like Charlie mentioned earlier, we have our guest Charlie coming in today. So thank you, Charlie. 
they seem to be the cat with nine lives. Like they went on the last play against Notre Dame. Um, you know, Duke for years would be like that in basketball where they would be down by 20 points. And then just out of nowhere, they start knocking down threes and they catch fire. So Ohio state is a team like that. They're a team where you think you have them. And then here come the explosive plays. So I'm really excited to see how this one's going to turn out. And, uh, Overall, the vibe, I, this is the first time the vibe has been good for me really heading into Ohio State week. How about you? Yeah, I would say quiet confidence is like the way that I feel because, you know, there, there's been certain years where it just felt like David versus Goliath. You know, Ohio State always ranked within the top five, always has like a Heisman contender somewhere on the field. Um, first round NFL talent on the defensive line. And you just kind of felt like, man, like this is, this is a giant that, you know, you're going to do your best to try and topple. Then there's been other years where Penn state has been very good. And then you kind of are like, all right, like we have like a, like a real, like puncher's chance here, you know, like a couple things go our way and we come out on top in that one. Um, and obviously, I mean, that hasn't been the, the, been the case, uh, since 2016, but this is like the first year um, in a while, probably since like 2017, where I kind of look at it and I'm like, like we can square up with these guys, you know, like Penn state, like when you look at the collective talent pool, maybe Penn state has a slight disadvantage. Like if you look at it from like top to bottom, I mean, because like the stars on Ohio state side just shine so bright because you have guys like Marvin Harrison jr. But Penn state, like this is going to be a good game. Like regardless of whether you're a Penn State fan, Ohio State fan, or a fan of any other team, like this is going to be must-see college football. And I think that's a really great sign for where Penn State is as a program, the roster that James Franklin and company have built. So I think this is like all the pieces are there for Penn State to really compete. And, um, you know, I'm confident in like saying that. I'm not, you know, I, I, I like I can't like guarantee a win but I feel pretty confident that Penn state is not just going to get bowled over. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the David versus Goliath um, analogy that you made was a really good one. Um, You look at the rosters and, you know, Penn state is looking really good. And if you look at, um, you know, just analytics here, um, Penn state is fifth in in the country for points per game at 44.3. Ohio State is averaging 36 points per game, so they're 20th. Points allowed on defense. Uh, Penn State second. They've been allowing eight points per game. Ohio State third, 9.7. Uh, total yards of offense, uh, they're a little bit higher. They're at 443. We're at 426. Uh, you look at yards per game allowed on defense. We're number one in the country, 193. They're there at 263. And then turnover differential, uh, we're second in the country at plus 10, and they're 35th at plus two. So you look at those numbers, you know, with the blind resumes there, and you got to be feeling pretty good against our Ohio, uh, against Ohio State. And then not only that, the fact that their head coach publicly says after a 41 to seven win over Purdue, he says, we are not ready for Penn State yet. He publicly said that, and he says, we have to have a great week of practice, great week of preparation. We have to get better to have a chance at beating them. 
What, what are your thoughts on on Ryan Day's comments about this matchup, especially with you know game day coming into town and everyone seeming to think that hey the Buckeyes are favored, they're favored by uh, four points at this point in time. Game day, they're ranked number three. We're, we actually got dropped down a spot to number seven. We got leapfrogged by Washington after their nice home win over Oregon. What are your What are your thoughts on Ryan Day's comments and the rankings and just, I just want to hear what you think. Yeah. So start with the rankings. Like anybody who is worried about that right now, like just needs to realize that it doesn't matter. If there's one thing that the AP poll voters have shown a lot of value and respect for, it is top 10 wins. And each of the teams that has leapfrogged Penn State so far in the rankings this season has gotten those signature top 10 wins. So within the next month, Penn State is going to be taking on the current number three team and the current number two team. So if they take care of business, the ranking is going to take care of itself. So we could put that that issue to bed, um, you know, for the time being uh, pretty, pretty comfortably uh, on the comments. Like, I just kind of feel like that's just really like coach speech, you know, like they all love to kind of issue that like public challenge, like to their team to like rise to the occasion and stuff like that. Like every, every coach has their own unique way to like motivate their team i mean you'll never like see james franklin come out and like say something like that after a win but that's just because it's not his style it doesn't mean that it's like right or wrong like what ryan day is doing or what james franklin is doing in my opinion it's just like his way to kind of like light that fire because um but i do also think that it is a sign that like he knows that penn state is going to pose like a really strong challenge for his team yeah, but um, if you're just looking at Ryan Day's tenure as Ohio State head coach, uh, you never have heard him say anything like that, you know, against like Michigan or us in the past. So I think he genuine, genu- genu- genuinely believes that, hey, I think uh, like Penn State kind of has a bit of the upper hand here and um, we're really going to need our home crowd. And we're going to need our star players to play like stars because we've seen Ohio State look vulnerable at times this year. Uh, Maryland was competitive for three quarters. They got lucky to get out of Notre Dame with a win. So this does not like this feels like a different different Buckeye regime. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for me, you know, whether it's fair or not, like the biggest difference of this year versus past years is really the quarterback. Um, Kyle McCord is good but he's not like CJ Stroud or Justin Fields good yet. You know, maybe he'll get there, maybe he won't. But in those years, I mean, it just felt like the quarterback could do no wrong in like some of those matchups. Um, They found the guy when they needed to. They made the passes that uh, needed to happen down the stretch. I mean, you could even throw like Dwayne Haskins in there. I mean, with that uh, go-ahead touchdown drive that he had back in 2018. Like there's there's so many instances and so many stories of Penn State quarterbacks doing that to Penn State. Um, so I think that, you know, relative to those years, like Kyle McCord, um, I feel like if you're able to get the pass rush home, really knock him off his block, or at least like make him not feel super comfortable in the pocket, like there are some opportunities there. So, you know, I think that, um, for me is like one of the biggest factors going into like this Ohio state team just doesn't have the same like lethal energy like it's had in years past. Yeah, I definitely feel that way, especially at the quarterback position. I do think that's kind of the one big difference. Uh, wide receivers, they got the best wide receivers in the country. 
Yeah, uh, they got some talented running backs. Uh, I feel like their line's kind of like ours. They've been in- inconsistent at times. Uh, defense, really good. Third in the country, right behind us. So they got a really solid defense at all three levels. So this is this is going to be a really uh, tough opponent, but not one that I don't think Penn State uh, can take down. Now, I do have some concerns, obviously. Um, one, I've been hurt so many times where I think we're going to upset Ohio State because we do seem to rise to their level. And Mm -hmm. number two, uh, for to have an upset, you need to get off to a good start typically. And Penn State has not done that well, especially on the road. Right. So can we put a road game together? Can we get uh, a big noon kickoff together? (laughs) Like, can we do it? Like that is something that they have to get their mind to. I'm I'm leaning a little more towards yes because when we have had our biggest opponents of the season, I'm looking at uh West Virginia and Iowa. Really outstanding performances from the squad. Uh, you know, offense, defense, special teams. So I do feel like the Penn State squad is going to have a really good week of practice. And I really like our chances heading into the shoe this weekend. Yeah, two things there. Um, number one, I'm in agreement with you in kind of leaning more towards like Penn State won't come out like with a sluggish start like they did against Illinois and Northwestern. Uh, because for one thing, because this isn't going to be an 11 a.m. local start time game, so it will be played at like noon Eastern time. So there will be at least like some semblance of familiarity as far as like you know the timing goes during the day. I don't think that that's um, completely insignificant. Number two, um, also in agreement with you that like Penn State tends to like rise to the occasion, like with the like with this game, with this opponent, because there's so much familiarity between the two teams because of them playing each other every year, obviously. But Penn State and Ohio State uh, recruit so heavily in the same areas that many of these guys know each other. Some of them were teammates back in high school. So there's, you know. There's like some personal skin in the game for like a lot of these guys like Penn State. I mean, like it's the same on, on Ohio State side, too. But Penn State really wants to win this game every single year. And I mean, like we saw Penn State um, come come out in a noon game last year, um, really amped up, like a ton of great energy. Like they got they got off to a good start early. Obviously, um, CJ Stroud and crew uh, pulled away towards the end. But like there's a different energy with the Ohio State game. And I, I expect this to be kind of more of the same. Yeah, I think so too. And just uh, listening to Franklin's presser today, it just seems like there's a very quiet confidence just kind of amongst the team. I think the team's been really good at being consistent this year. I feel like they haven't gotten too high. They haven't gotten too low. And they've just been really focused on the process and kind of doing the things that you need to do to to be successful. And, uh, you know, there was some talk. You got asked the question, um, have you talked to you know, Drew Aller about going back home to Ohio, uh, being an Ohio native and playing Ohio state where, you know, I'm sure a lot of his classmates were Ohio Ohio state fans growing up. Right. Um, And Franklin said, no, that's not how we operate. But since all you guys are talking to him about, I probably will now too. So he kind of, uh, you know, just kind of going to have a conversation. I'm sure it's going to be like, Hey, just keep doing what you're doing and following the process, having a great week of preparation and that's the thing that I think Penn State has done really well. To be successful, you got to be consistent. And I think that's something that they've really emphasized this year and I think is paying uh, dividends out on the field. 
Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, Drew is like such a steady Eddie kind of player. You know, he's just never gets too high, never gets too low. He just goes out there and is very analytical, um, you know, very smart with everything that he does. And like, so it just kind of seems like, yeah, I mean, like, is there like some sort of like homecoming aspect of this uh, for him? I mean, sure. Like, it's completely natural for it to be. I mean, Sean Clifford very like publicly said, like, you know, he wanted to beat Ohio State, like when he was a quarterback at Penn State, you know, with him being an Ohio kid as well. So, I mean, there, there's always that that kind of stuff there. But I mean, like, you know, it's like you said, I mean, they've just been so process oriented, like just trying to figure out and execute the small details, which I think really shined through in their win over UMass. I mean, even even with regards to kind of the relative level of the opponent, like Penn State came out and was just super sharp. And I, and I don't think that that was unintentional. Like they wanted to get out of the bye and just look like they were ready to play their best football um, a week from that point. So, you know, I think it all like coming together um, really speaks to like what you just said and that, you know, they're trying to focus on like getting better every week, every game, and just finding those little moments to um, incrementally improve themselves. Yeah, and I think a really important thing heading into this one is a coach saying, be who you are, like, and having that self-awareness to know who you are. Like, when we went went against Iowa, we didn't, like, drastically change our game plan. Uh, you, They did the things that they're good at. Uh, no one tried to be a hero. Drew just made the appropriate throws, line did their job running backs to their job, like everyone just focused on doing what they do. And when you do that, you're going to be successful. So um, I think that's really important heading into this game. Uh, I know I know there's been tons of talk about like, oh, explosive plays, explosive plays. But at the at the end of the day, they just need to be who they are. And if that's not their identity, that's all right. Like, you know, you obviously can't be afraid to take the shot down the field. But if that's not your game and Ohio State's, you know, not really crowding up and forcing you to beat them over the top and, you know, move the chains, get points, win that time and possession battle, keep the defense fresh. Uh, I think those are all, all things that are going to lead to victory if they just be who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you say that because uh, Theo Johnson um, earlier this week went on Adam Brenneman's podcast. You know, we're going to get a little meta talk about podcasts within our own podcast, but <laughs> podcast rival Adam Brenneman. Gosh, <laughs> we are no rival of Adam Brenneman's. Let me tell you what that that guy that guy is a well oiled media machine, and he is he is awesome. Um, I'd love to get the chance to talk shop with him. But uh, so he said, you know, because he, he's getting he got asked that question too about kind of like the explosive plays, and he's just like, like I don't care if we get down the field in twelve plays or three plays, as long as we're scoring six, that's all that matters to me. And you know, for him to say that as kind of clear cut as he did, I think speaks to the mentality of the entire offense, which I think is great because one, everybody's on the same page. Number two, everybody kind of knows like the identity and what's going to be expected of them, which I think is also very important for units like the offensive line, where there's going to be such a tight microscope on them because of the kind of the lack of push um, in the away games so far. I think so much of this is going to hinge on them, but because they're all like so synced up, it's only going to be like mean good things for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I, I wanted to ask, uh, w- without revealing your final score prediction, uh, how do you think this game is going to play out? So I think that this is going to be a bit more defensive than offensive. I think both of these defenses are like really, really good. Um, I think that, you know, there, there's a little bit of a blueprint um, for playing Ohio State that involves shutting down their run, um, forcing Kyle McCord to beat you. And, you know, for Maryland, you know, combining their execution, um, which they did very well in the first half, but combined like the execution, some turnovers in the second half and just kind of the relative talent of the Ohio State receiving core, it didn't work out for them. But you kind of know that maybe you are able to shut down the run, um, which I think would spell very good things for Penn State because they are so well positioned to defend the pass, even with such a dangerous um, receiving core on the side of Ohio State. So I think that this is going to, and I think, you know, I think Ohio State is going to get their, get their licks in as well, like on defense, like their defensive line is very good. They've got, you know, really great um, defensive tackle play so far this season from Tyleek Williams. He's showing up on like all different kinds of midseason pre, uh, uh, midseason All America teams. Um, you got JT Tui Maloa, who had the crazy monster game last year. Uh, he's the defensive end who picked off Sean Clifford Sean. for a pick six. Um, you know, off of that like wide receiver screen, just because he just blew up the tackle as hard as he did. Crazy but, athleticism. Yeah, and so I think so. I think that Ohio State is going to get their shots in there as well on defense. So I think this is going to be a bit more defensive than offensive. And really, I the matchup that I'm looking for maybe the most out of any of them is Penn state's defensive line versus Ohio state's offensive line. Because if this rush is able to get home, um, I feel pretty good about Penn state's chances in this one, because like, you know, if, if the linebackers are able to come up and have good gap discipline and shut down the run, especially if the Ohio state running back unit, isn't going to be at full strength, uh, because of some injury bugs, like, you know, that just means I like chop Adisa and then I can just like go to work. Um, so I think that that presents a really great opportunity. However, that also, I think just places higher emphasis and importance on making sure that that rush gets home because my worst nightmare is getting them into like third and 15 situations and they send the house and the rush doesn't get there. And then the quarterback who, you know, he's no like Michael Vick, is like scrambling out and getting like 18, 20 yards. And that's just like an absolute like backbreaker, you know, of, of like a moment for your team. So like, I think that, um, you know, so much of this is going to depend on like the rush getting home. Um, but so, yeah, I would say just generally speaking though, I think this is going to be kind of a defensive struggle at times. Um, and, uh, they're like, you know, such is the case in many football games, um, for Penn state and for any other team, uh, so much of the success is going to lie in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's where you see the success of the Philadelphia Eagles. They have one of the best offensive lines in football and one of the best defensive lines. Uh, that just makes your job that more chaotic as a quarterback. If you're on, if you're facing a good defensive line and if you have a good offensive line, it makes your job a lot easier as a quarterback. So um, those are things I'm looking at too. I definitely can see this being a defensive uh, struggle at times. And I wouldn't be surprised if it does end up being a low scoring game. 
I do think Penn State is going to get off to a pretty good start. And I think Ohio State might struggle at times with our our defense and really moving the ball up the field. You saw them really struggle with uh, Notre Dame. And I think that's something that would be huge if our defense can, you know, hold them for a long period of time from scoring points and holding them to field goals. I think that would be really huge, especially since the offense has been inconsistent at times. So I do think we'll get off to a good start. And then I do feel like eventually, you know, especially like after halftime, I think that Ohio State is going to be making some adjustments. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., he's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to make plays in double coverage, I'm sure. Um, And then towards the end of the game, I think it's going to be very similar to last year where Ohio State's trying to come back. And hopefully this year the outcome is different and we can hold them off and hang on for a W uh, in the shoe. So those are my thoughts on the game. Uh, If you're Ohio State, uh, what is your game plan for uh, stopping Drew and Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. What is your? What do you think their game plan is for stopping Penn State? Load up the box, stop the run, force Drew to beat you with his arm. Um, Drew, you know, as much as we love him, his his accuracy drops on the road. Uh, it dipped below sixty um, percent against Northwestern. Went uh, below fifty percent against Illinois. Um, so even if you like, I think that the defensive backs in the secondary for Ohio state might be like the weakest part of that defense for them, relatively speaking. So I I would say that there's more, um, emphasis though, placed on stopping the run because, um, like Illinois and Northwestern have shown that if you can stop the run, Penn state sometimes, uh, like spins their wheels a little bit on offense. Um, and that just kind of leads to like more funkiness on the on the offensive side of things. Like you got like receivers like dropping passes. You have some miscommunication between Drew and, and the receivers and stuff like that. Um, and I think that you know Penn State has shown that if they're able to get you know enough of a push on the offensive line to get like three four yards a carry or something like that, they have they're very adept at controlling the flow of the game. And that's exactly what Ohio State doesn't want to have happen. Like they don't want to like have to play in these like tiny little windows of time on the offensive side of the ball um, where Kyle McCord is going to have to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. So that's kind of my my thought there is just like do what I can to stop Katron and Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you there. Uh, I do think that the number one priority is going to be stopping the running game and really putting the pressure on a first-time starting quarterback, and Drew, he's very young. I think, um, you know, he's shown that he's very capable of, you know, hitting the check down, keeping the chains moving, uh, buying time in the pocket with uh, his mobility. He's been really good at that. So if I'm Ohio State, I'm trying to take away what he does well. And, you know, I think this is going to be the time where you might see Drew try to take some more shots down the field just because the check down's, aren't there. And uh, Franklin mentioned this in his presser today. He said, everyone in their backyard, they're throwing like, you know, they're throwing routes and Hail Marys. And he's like, no, no one throws like a check down pass in their backyard. So no quarterback (laughs) wants to do that. He's like, he says, we got to coach these guys to actually do that in the game. So um, I think Ohio state's going to try to take that away. And especially with the weather uh, expected to be really windy, 
Mm. Um, I think that's going to make be making uh, connecting on a deep pass a lot more difficult. So I think that that's going to be Ohio State's ga- game plan. I think they're going to be really aggressive uh, stacking the box, uh, which might be a little unusual for them. So Penn State, like or sorry, Ohio State likes to play that four two five a little bit like Iowa State. So they they like to do a lot of that three safety look. So I am interested to see if we can actually uh, get the run game going against them because unlike a four three where you're having a, a third linebacker there, you got someone who's maybe a little smaller and quicker and maybe Penn state's able to, you know, be physical with them and get a little bit of a push that we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am interested to see if um, that has an impact on the game. Um, so that's what I'm looking at. If you are uh, Ohio state on offense or you, or I'll give you Penn state on defense. If you're Penn State on defense, how are you trying to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. and the Ohio State offense? Uh, double coverage on Marvin Harrison all day long and twice on Sunday. Like the guy, the guy's amazing. Um, best receiver in college football, uh, and like he's gonna get his catches, but you gotta you gotta limit the explosive plays by him. You gotta limit kind of the back breaking plays that he's able to make. Um, that a lot of other players can't. Um, I, that's number one. Uh, number two, like like I said earlier, I just think that you know the rush, the rush has to get home. Um, you know, McCord can't be allowed to just sit back in the pocket, survey the field, and try and find the open guy because you know, especially if we're going to be doubling up on Harrison, there's going to be there's there's a ton of receiving talent all over the field for Ohio State. Um, I mean, outside of him, we have Abuka, which who we don't know what his status for is for this game uh, because of injury concern. They have Julian Fleming, who was once a um, a, a heavy uh, recruiting target for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, Cade Stover, a very talented tight end, um, and they you know they just continue to reload at the wide receiver position year in and year out with uh, with five star talent. So the next guys up are like the next Marvin Harrisons and and uh amika buka so one of those guys is going to get open and if you give him enough time he's going to find somebody so the rush has to get home um and i and i think too like you know you just gotta like force similar to ohio state against penn state you gotta force mccord to um beat you with his arm like don't you know let this banged up uh running back unit um run the ball on you uh maryland was able to limit Ohio state to something like 62 yards rushing on the entire game. Like, uh, so if Penn state's able to do that, um, and just limit, um, Ohio state to do and like kind of play into Penn state's hands a little bit because Penn state is so well equipped to defend the past. Um, that I think is really kind of the key to success. Yeah, I think so too. So I think our game plan is actually going to be the opposite of Ohio state. I expect them to be uh, very gra- aggressive loading up the box, uh, stopping the short to intermediate passes. I think we're going to do the opposite. I think we're just going to try to not get beat over the top. I think okay. we're going to have a, a lighter box and kind of rely on, you know, the front four to try to, you know, get to the running back. I think we're going to be trying to do that to stop the run game and, you know, just uh, try to make them methodically move the ball up the field. Uh, Ohio state, they put up a lot of yards. They're a very explosive offense and, you know, speed is what's going to hurt you. Marvin Harrison Jr. going 50 yards for a touchdown or Stover. I think uh, 
everyone kind of underlooks him. I think he's one of the best tight ends in the country. He's probably the second guy I'm most scared of on their entire roster. Uh, really good player. Coach Franklin said nice things about him today as well. Um, so I think he's going to be a big threat. Ibuka, if he plays, Fleming's good. Uh, you got Xavier, Xavier Johnson, who has a lot of speed. You got Tate and Ennis, who've uh, shown they can have a lot of yards per catch. But when you get into the red zone and there's not as much space, you're a little limited by your speed. So it's a lot easier to cover someone who's faster than you if there's not a lot of space. And I think that's what Penn State should do. They should really try to limit Ohio State to field goals. And then also, if you get a young quarterback like Kyle McCord, first-year starter, if he makes a couple bad reads, maybe you can force some turnovers. He's not super turnover-prone. It's got a really strong arm, really good touchdown to interception ratio. So it's gonna those turnovers are gonna be tough to come by. But if you get some, your chances are a lot higher if he has to methodically move the ball down the field. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh if I'm Penn State, if I'm Ohio State, I'm trying to establish that run, force Penn State to load the box, and then that way that opens up the pass game because I'm sure they're gonna predict what we're going to do. So that's what I'm looking at them to do. That's what I think Penn State's gonna do to try to stop this explosive uh, Buckeyes uh, offense. And if you're looking at their defense too, really good at all levels. That linebacker core is uh, led by Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, Coach Franklin said he had a coaching crust on him. Just yeah. really, really good player, both uh, you know, mentally yep. and physically, is the leader, heart and soul of the team on defense. Uh, you got Nathan Ransom at the safety position. You got uh, JT Tumalu. Um, you know, on the defensive line, you got Denzel Burke at corner, and then you got Xavier Johnson, who's a speed guy at, at the kick returner position on special teams. So really at all different levels, this Ohio State team has really talented players. So definitely going to uh, be a challenge. And, you know, for Penn State, this is going to be, a, you know, definitely a, a tooth and nail Big Ten football battle. Yeah, well said. I mean, this is uh, like at I think at times this is going to be like peak Big Ten football, you know, just like uh, fighting for every inch and uh, just whoever wants it more is going to come out on top. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, do you want to move on to uh, some over unders? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So right now the spread is four. In favor of Ohio State, do you think Penn State covers the spread? Yes, I do. I think that this is going to be a close game, um, no matter like which team wins. So I think it could be uh, within a field goal. So, yep, Penn State covers. Yep, I think Penn State will cover as well. I'm with you there. All right, points for Penn State, over or under 25 and a half. So I have the under here. Um, I think this is going to be a low scoring game defensive struggle. Um, I don't think either team gets over 30 points in this game. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, so I actually have the over here. Okay. Um, so, all right. Um, points against over under 21 and a half points for the Buckeyes. I have the under here as well. Oh, yep. Interesting. So I have the over here. Okay. So I think it's going to be a little more offensive. Um, I, I do think for Penn State, I do think 
Uh, Drew's going to be able to connect on some deep balls. And I think all those Penn State fans that have been whining about not seeing the explosive plays and that they're not trying enough explosive plays. or This will be their time. This is going to be their time to shine. I expect him to connect even uh, despite the wind. Mm. I still think he's going to connect. And I think that could lead to some points. Um, So I got the the over on that one. And then just when you look at the Buckeyes, like if we're scoring points, they're going to score points. Like, you know, it's going to be a close game. I know our secondary is extremely good. I know our pass rush has been getting there and getting a lot of pressure. But this is Ohio State. When you got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., you got guys like uh, Stover out there. It's got to be so tough to guard all those guys. Like if you're doubling Marvin Harrison Jr., you're just making one of Ohio State's first round wide receiver picks. That's going to play in the NFL. They're going to be in single coverage. So you're making their job so much easier. Stover, I think, is a going to be a really good tight end in the NFL. So, um, yeah, it's you can't double team everybody. You know, it's 11 on 11. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be able to put some points. But I do think that our defense is if, if it is a low scoring game, I think our defense is going to keep us on it. I, I could see it going like you, but I could see it um, heading in my direction as well. Right. All right. Um, so Penn State is averaging 203 rushing yards per game on the season. Are they over or under this number? Boy, man, this is a tough one. Um, I think I'm going to take the under here. Uh, Ohio State is holding opponents to around 109 rushing yards per game right now. And I think that Penn State is going to get up to around 180. Okay. I'm in agreement with you there. I think I'm going to take the under. Uh, I think it could maybe end up like the Iowa game where we're just chipping away three yard run, three yard run, three yard run. If that's happening, I'm feeling pretty good because if we can wear them down, um, I don't know if they necessarily have the depth at all those positions. Like I know wide receiver there, they could throw their third stringers out there and have a pretty good wide receiving course. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe we can wear them out, get them tired. Whereas Penn state, we know they're going to rotate their bodies. So that's why I don't feel you know, super concerned about them getting fatigued just because they do rotate those bodies so much amongst the front seven. So I do feel pretty good about the Penn state defense. All right. uh, Passing yards for the offense over or under 223 passing yards for Drew Aller. 223. That's a, that's a very specific number. uh, So that's just that. That's just the number they've been averaging throughout the course of the season. All right. Um, or Trey Potts. We know he can. <laughs> right. We never <laughs> know who's going to throw the ball. Um, I'll take the over here, strangely enough. Um, I saw uh, Talia Tagovailoa make some very close throws, uh, including some misses, but at times like where the Ohio State DBs got beat. And I mean, Maryland's got some like, some good talent at the wide receiver spot, but so does Penn state. So I believe in Drew's accuracy. Um, I think there'll be some opportunities that open up in the play action. Um, granted that the offensive line can like get a push to kind of kickstart the running game a little bit. So I'm feeling confident here. I'll, I'll take the over. Okay. 
Um, I think I might take the under here, but not by much. I think it'll be around like 210, 215. Okay. I think I'm like just under it. Mm -hmm. I do think in this game, there's going to be an opportunity for some short fields for Penn State. I think that Penn State's going to put on the pressure, and I think the edge rush is going to get there and make Kyle McCord make some questionable decisions. All right. Moving on to the defense. Um, Ohio State's only averaging 135 rush yards per game. Uh, do we hold them under that? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, this is, you know, not a unit that's going to be at full strength um, in this upcoming game. Um, and if conditions are very similar to the way that they were against Maryland, uh, that bodes very well for Penn State in this regard. Um, Penn State, you know, while there have been like some cracks in the armor at times with the rush defense, uh, they've shown to be pretty damn good in that regard in certain spots as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm taking the over IE Penn state is going to hold them to under that amount. Okay. I do think that Ohio state is going to get over 135, but I don't think it's going to be by a lot. I just think they're, I think Penn state is going to going to force them to run and I know they want to pass. So if you're Penn State, you want to take them away from their identity and who they are. They're a passing offense. You want to take them away from who they are and make them run the ball and uh, methodically move the ball up the field. So I yeah. uh, I think I'm going to take the over there just because I think it's going to be a, a higher number of opportunities or gotcha. uh, attempts running yeah. the football. All right, uh, passing yards. Can we hold this uh, vertical passing attack under 308 passing yards? Hmm. I'll say yes, because this is the best secondary that Ohio State will play this season. And I, I am taking Penn State secondary over Notre Dame's, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. Um I you know, I believe in our our trio of cornerbacks. I think we got a dude and KJ Winston. Um so yeah, I'll I'll kind of ride this confidence train. I'll say I'll say yes. All right, I like it. Uh I'm going to say I'm going to say yeah too. Uh, I just don't think especially with the wind, I think it's going to be really difficult to uh throw the football. I think the guster is supposed to get up to uh 25, 30 miles an hour. So I think it's going to be windy and who knows what I'm not sure what the wind's like in the in the shoe and what direction it comes from, but you know, that's going to alter the deep ball especially. So you might even see Penn State try to modify their strategy if it's really windy and they don't think Ohio State can connect on the deep ball. And in terms of accuracy, they think the analytics are pretty low. They might even try to cheat up a little bit and really stop those intermediate routes. So um, that's another factor to watch out for uh, when the game's on. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, moving on to turnovers, my probably favorite topic to talk about. Yep. Over or under... One and a half turnovers for Penn State. Under. Penn State's been great at protecting the football. Um, I could see one in this environment, in this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be like last year. So I'll take the under. Yeah, I'll take the under as well. Penn State, I think they're going to be who they are. I think they're going to take care of the football. They're going to make, they're going to trust their defense and they're going to make Ohio State go on some long fields. So, liking where we are, I like who we are, and um, I think we'll take care of the football. 
Very good. All right, moving on to takeaways. Over or under one and a half takeaways for the Penn State defense? Hmm. Yeah, that's tough too. Um, I'll take the under here as well. I think we're good for for one interception, but I just think that that'll probably be it. But I also think that that one interception could mean the difference between winning and losing. Yes. So I'm actually feeling pretty optimistic here. I'm going to take the over. Um, okay. I think this is even better than the Notre Dame defense that they played earlier in the season. And yeah, this Penn State defense can be scary. Uh, even looking at, you know, some points they gave up in some of their other matchups, like they gave up maybe what, 13 points against Northwestern and 13 against uh, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Like This is a, a good defense, even when the offense for those Northwestern and Illinois games were mediocre at best. Uh, we still have them to 13 points. Uh, West Virginia had, I think they scored the highest with 15 this entire season. This is a good defense. Uh, and like, I might even feel like an idiot in my end of final score prediction because <laughs> I feel like I'm always like, Oh, the defense is going to give up this amount of points and it's always less. So um, I might feel like a complete idiot, you know, at the end of my score prediction, but uh, you know, time will tell. But in terms of takeaways, I like our defense. Give me uh two turnovers. Awesome. All right. Um, sacks. Does the pass rush get there? Uh, over or under two and a half sacks. I'll take the over here. I'm feeling three. I am feeling three as well. Good number. All um, right. How does our offensive line do? Over or under two and a half sacks allowed. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Um. Oh man. <laughs> This is, this is real tough because like I want to believe in our offensive line, but I also know that there's some there's some monsters on that D line for Ohio State. Um, I'll take the over here as well. Unfortunately, I I think Ohio State probably gets three. I think I'll take the under. I think I'll roll with two. Okay, the offensive line hasn't been amazing. But they've been relatively good in pass protection. And with mm-hmm. J.B. Nelson expected to be back, uh, Coach Franklin said in his presser, gives you a little more optimism that you got more bodies out there. So I'm feeling a little better. Well, the, the area that does concern me is that, you know, Penn State, or sorry, Ohio State's going to play aggressive and try to force Penn State to beat you over the top, which probably a lot of teams haven't, done when they played Penn State. I uh, I think that can make Drew hold on to the football longer and then you might see some more of those coverage type of sacks. So yeah. That definitely does concern me and I can see how you got three, but you know that's gonna be the theme of the episode. You know be who you are and who they are. <laughs> they haven't allowed a lot of sacks this year. So yeah I'm gonna good point. I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna stick with two. All right. Favorite segment of the show, fact or fiction. Penn State will score at least 30 points for the 14th time in a row. I got fiction here. Um, I think this is going to be low scoring. It's going to be a defensive struggle. So um, unfortunately, I'll say fiction. I'm going to say fact on this one. Okay. The reason why uh, Coach Franklin said 
total points on offense is a team stat. Look at uh, Northwestern. Look at Illinois. 30 points in both of those. Granted, you're playing a lot better of a defense. Uh, but the defense has put our offense on a lot of short fields. And I think that's going to provide opportunities. Now, the offense has to do the work. They got to cash in. But I do think Penn State does have the potential to get to that 30-point marker. Because I, I think they're, as an offense, trying to get there. Uh, that's a stat that they have the longest streak in terms of you know the FBS. So I think they're going to be really inspired. I think they're going to have some make some good plays. And, you know, this is something a win over Ohio State is long overdue. So I think the offense is going to have a pretty good day today or uh, Saturday. Yep. All right. Factor fiction. Penn State maintains the streak of winning by at least 14 points. Ooh. Oh, man. I'm saying hard fiction. Um, I think regardless of who wins, like this is going to be a close game. Like, I, I think it could be decided by a field goal. So I'll, I'll take fiction here. I'll say fiction as well. Uh, looking at the game, I think we might be up by 14 points or more. I think there will be points in the game where we will be up that high, potentially. But at the end of the day, Ohio State's Ohio State. They're going to try to make a miraculous run at the end. And I think it's just going to be one of those things. We either stop them on the last drive or we don't. So I think it's going to be like one of those games that gives you a heart attack and it goes down to the wire, raises your blood pressure. But hey, that's uh, that's Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, I expect to lose years off my life this weekend. <laughs> As we all do. All right. Fact or fiction. Speaking of explosive plays, Penn State will win the explosive play battle over the Buckeyes. Ugh. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say fiction here. Um, Ohio State, like the primary gear of their offense is the explosive play. Like, you know, they're kind of similar to Penn State in a way where like they try to like establish the run and sometimes they like can't do it. And so they just turn to their super talented speedy wide receivers, and then that is just kind of the silver bullet for them. Whereas Penn State you know, seems to like really stay committed to that, like establishing the run, trying to get a push, like whether it is working to perfection or not throughout the, the entire duration of the game, Penn state is like sticking with that plan, not trying to deviate too much or kind of throw a wrench into things. So I think that Ohio state is going to win that battle, uh, when it's all said and done, but it's mostly just because like Ohio state always looks for that play. Okay, so I think I might actually go fiction here. Okay, I think that's just because the defense is going to play out of their mind on Saturday. I like it's just it doesn't seem right for Penn State to lose this game this year. Like every other year, I'm like, okay, David versus Goliath. Hope we can get a win. Like just hoping. Whereas now I feel like I know we we can win this. So. Give me uh, a fact. Penn State will win the explosive play battle. And to classify that, uh, Coach said uh, that is a 12-plus yard run or a 15-plus yard pass. So that is determined as an explosive play in Coach Franklin's mind and most analytics guys. Okay. So. 
I always thought it was like 20 yards or more. That's what I thought too. Um, so I was interesting to hear coach say that today. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, that, you know, that was, uh, interesting to hear and learn something new. Yeah. All right. The Penn state defense will give up zero points in the third quarter. Um, as they've done all season. Yeah. I'll say fact here. I think that I I just think holding them to a goose egg in any quarter is going to be a very tall task. Okay. I'm going to say, uh, fiction as well. Uh, I think Penn state, I think Ohio state's going to be coming out from behind at halftime. And I think they're going to make some adjustments. I think they're going to score some points. So I'm going to say fiction for that one as well. All right. Fact or fiction. Drew Aller has zero turnovers. Um, and I would love to look up the stat the last time a Penn State quarterback has had zero turnovers halfway through a football season. Yeah, that's one for the Penn State football historians. I mean, someone out there has got to know the answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll say fact here. Um, you know, I don't think that like Drew is going to have like 100% completion rate, but he's shown enough against like some good quality teams, um, not like elite level teams, but good quality teams to like take care of the football, not really put it in harm's way. Um, and just overall just live to fight another day. Um, I think that Ohio state has talent everywhere that you look, even on the, and you know, also on the defensive side, but, um, you know, I just think that drew has kind of, given us enough reasons to trust him to not make too many like risky or questionable passes. So I'll say, I'll say fact here. I'll be optimistic. Interesting. All right. So I am going to say fiction. I think there will be one turnover. Uh, He's a freshman. It's going to come to an end at some point. I've said fact every single week, but this Ohio state defense is stacked. They forced four turnovers uh, from Sean Clifford last year. I think this is the absolute number one key to the game. We almost beat them at home last year, despite turning the football over four times. Um, Absolutely crazy to think that could happen. And I think that's really the emphasis going into this game. Now, I think JT uh, Tuimalu, he's going to force one whether it's like a strip sack fumble or maybe a a crazy athletic interception like last year. I think he's good for one turnover by himself. So I think that'll come to an end, but I think it'll only be one. Okay. All right. Um, And last fact or fiction fact or fiction. Ohio is the worst state ever. Oh, fact. Yeah. Pure fact. I mean, there's plenty of t-shirts out there that, uh, that say as much. And I mean, you, you can't really go against the logic of a t-shirt that you can buy in downtown state college. Right. Absolutely. And you know, I, we're not the only ones that think that Michigan fans think that as well. So I think that's something (laughs) we can all agree on. So I'm going to say fact as well. Love it. All right, Andrew communion prediction. What do you got for us? So for my community prediction this time around, I'm bringing a little bit of 2016 energy. I am predicting more splashes on the special team side of things following a strong showing against UMass. 
I am predicting a blocked punt or field goal by our unit um, at some point during this game. I like it. Another block six, perhaps. Maybe. I mean, if the if the dominoes fall the right way, anything can happen. Yes, I would uh, love to see that. So my prediction is kind of goes along with the explosive plays. I think uh, Drew is going to have four passes completed for 25 yards or more. I think you right. can get vertical. A lot of Keandre Lambert Smith. You got Trey Wallace who has some speed coming back. You know, hopefully he makes those big catches, holds on to the football. And, uh, you know, that'll put up a lot of pass yards for Penn State. So here's a follow up to that. Do you think this is really kind of the game where Penn State establishes like a true number two receiver? Maybe. I, I think there's a good chance of that. I think Trey can be that guy. He's just definitely got the speed. Uh, he's been dealing with injuries. Now, maybe that hamstring is not 100%. Ham, tr- hamstrings can be tricky. But speed guy has looked good in the beginning of the year, and I think he's going to be kind of back to himself. Cool. All right. All right. So final score, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I've gone back and forth a lot on this for this game. You know, it's inevitable that, like, it's Ohio State. You're going to kind of rethink and rethink your final score prediction again and again because of the magnitude of the opponent, the history of the matchup and everything like that. Um, Like I've said earlier in this pod, um, I think this is going to be a slightly defensive game. Um, I think it's going to be kind of back and forth, like teams trading defensive punches at times. Um, I think a huge part of this is going to come down to turnovers. Uh, Like, you know, that battle has gone against Penn state in the past, uh, most recently last season. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that Penn State has a squad to really challenge Ohio State and, uh, like, square up with them. Um, You know, Ohio State has some matchups that they really like, but I think that Penn State really does as well. Um, So I I picked against Penn State last year. I'm not doing that this year. I'm feeling optimistic. I think that Penn State is going to rise to the challenge, and I think that they get out of there with a 24-21 to victory. I like it. Um, So I would say originally when I was thinking about this final score prediction, I was thinking like, uh, like maybe 28, 26 or like 27, 24. But then it dawned on me. I'm like, you know what? Penn state has this great 30 point streak. And I'm like, I can't, I can't go on the podcast and say that 30 point streak is going to come to an end. So for my final score prediction, I have, Penn State 31, Ohio State 28. It's going to be just absolute jubilation and excitement in State College. Everyone's going to be wild. I think you're going to be seeing people storm downtown. You're going to have your Philly fans climbing some light poles. Big win for the Nittany Lions and jumping up into top four in the AP pool. Ooh, baby. Yep. Oh, man. Like the possibilities here are endless. Uh, there, There is a ton on the line here with this game. This game is everything because I do think, you know, even if you lose to a Michigan, I do think like there's a good chance that Ohio State could beat them. So, yeah, you never know how it's going to play out. Um, You know, they might not be able to cover the weapons of Ohio State. You might see Ohio State be a little healthier 
towards the end of the season, whereas like right now, a couple of the running backs, uh, you know, uh, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, they're kind of banged up. Like Buka's a little banged up, but you know, maybe things turn around, they get healthy and are a little bit better for Michigan. And, you know, they got romped by Michigan last year, but then they, you know, really put up points against Georgia and they really showed that they probably should have beat Georgia. Uh, just kind of missed a fluky field goal at the stroke of midnight. Uh, the ball turned into like a pumpkin in midair and, and didn't go in. So, you know, they're a kick away from making a national championship. So I think we're getting them at a good time. Uh, we're fresh. We're healthy. Uh, JB Nelson was the only guy I wasn't expecting to see. And uh, Coach Franklin said we're expecting him back. Uh, so I, I think he meant this week. So, you know, that's definitely uh, promising news after he was carted off. So, you know, I'm feeling good. You know, our team is healthy. Our team is fresh. We had our bye. UMass, we got to rest all of our starters in the fourth quarter. It just seems like the stars are aligning and it would just be an absolute travesty if Penn State does not capitalize. So I think they're going to get it done. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a very happy weekend in Happy Valley. Love it. Yeah. Love the confidence. Uh, you know, I think we're all kind of in that same boat in that, you know, it would, uh, you know, be really, really upsetting to see this game go in the way like so many others, uh, before it. But I think that's actually a pretty good segue here because as you, um, kind of teased at the beginning of this podcast, we brought on, um, a third member for this particular episode. And that is our friend and occasional co-host Charlie, uh, who we wanted to bring on because of his unique perspective um, on this game, uh, because of his his rival his rivalry uh, with his brother, who is an Ohio State alum. Uh, so now we're going to switch quickly over um, to our brief segment with him to get his thoughts on the game and also get his final score prediction as well. All right, and we are joined now by Penn State alum and super fan Charlie Sexton, my man. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys about the biggest game of the year, in my opinion. Well, that's right. I mean, you have some extra skin in the game, just like you yeah. mentioned during last year. Uh, you got some si- sibling rivalry uh, going on. So there, there's more than just a win or a loss uh, in it for you. Absolutely. Yeah. No, these these wins and losses have permanent staying power in the form of uh, a, a burgeoning family photo album uh of the the losing side uh having to wear you know the wrong the wrong attire uh you know i really would like the next decade two decades to look different than the last decade because you know i don't want an album of my kids wearing uh you know scarlet and gray year after year so i'm I'm looking to get a little more blue and white in that that family photo album no that's a that's a great goal and you know now that you've had a, a second little one here um you know we we can't have the the appearance of too many ohio state fans in that album so there's there's even more at stake now no absolutely and hey i mean miles you know arrived august 20th he's never uh he hasn't been alive for a penn state loss so let's keep that streak going uh you know he's uh he's off to a really really solid start so you know, when he looks back at his life, he can say, hey, the year I was born, uh, you know, has a, a lasting significance to it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to jinx it by saying what I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> no, that's yeah. No, we're we're not uh, we're not opposed to, you know, staying away from jinxes and superstitions on this show. 
we talked about it like ad nauseum a couple of pods ago. So we're, yeah, we're totally on board with that. Right, Vince? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get into this here. So obviously biggest game of the season so far for Penn state, uh, taking on a top five opponent, uh, familiar opponent in Ohio state going to one of the toughest places to play in the country, uh, in the horseshoe. So Charlie, what are some of your initial thoughts on this game and this matchup? I mean, I think this is one of the iconic matchups in college sports, just full scale. Uh, I mean, I, I know that the game is Michigan, Ohio state. Um, you know, I'm sad to see that this, uh, won't be one of the protected matchups on a go forward basis. Cause I literally mark my calendar every year for this, uh, this day. Um, and you know, it's, it's been a trial and heartbreak for us, uh, as Penn state fans for a while. And, you know, I, I'm fairly optimistic that we have the pieces in place to, to flip the script this year. Um, but this is it. I mean, everything that we've accomplished in, uh, in the season to date has really been dress rehearsal for this moment. Um, I've loved some of the balance that I've seen from our team. Uh, I also equally love that we're going into this game uh, as a, a healthy unit on both sides of the ball without any major absences from our offense uh, or defense, uh, which is not something that Ohio State can say going into the game. Um, so I feel like, you know, we're going to go in uh, into the shoe and give them our best shot this year. Um, and I have a suspicion that our best shot will be enough. Uh, so um, more, more to come on, on that, but, you know, I, I just think we have the depth, uh, that we haven't had, uh, in past years to hang on for all four quarters, uh, rather than a, a hot start and then get overrun, uh, later in the game. Yeah. Great point. So you mentioned there kind of the injury bug that Ohio state is dealing with right now. We see guys like Amika Buka, Trevion Henderson. In fact, I mean, most of their running backs are dealing with some form of thing like uh, what kind of impact do you think that these injuries are going to have in this game? I think it has a huge impact. I actually just spoke with my my brother, Colin, who's the uh, Buckeye alumni on the other side of the equation uh, for about 30 minutes earlier about their, uh, you know, their running back situation, trying to figure out who might be available for the game. Um, cause there's, you know, as, as always with college football, there's some smoke and mirrors about who's actually injured or, or who was held out cause they've had some softer opponents, um, and more recent weeks, you know, playing Purdue this past, past week. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, it's everything. I think it really dictates what our game plan is. And you almost have to have like a option A option B, depending on who suits up at running back. Um, running back, especially they have the depth at receiver to absorb a loss of even of the caliber of Abuka. Uh, but if they're on their fourth string running back, uh, I, I think that we reorient our defensive game plan uh, significantly. So how, so, uh, like, how would you adjust knowing that, you know, they're not as dangerous, relatively speaking, uh, from a rushing standpoint, I'd literally orient the defense to dare them to run the ball all game. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the defensive game plan success, uh, if they're on their third or fourth string back, will be measured on the number of rush attempts versus pass attempts. Uh, and it was a successful defensive scheme if they've run the ball more times than they pass the ball. Uh, and I, I think that that creates a, a slower, uh, more physical game that favors uh, our style of play. 
Um, I also think that with a young quarterback like McCord, you can start to press because the game feels like it's moving very slowly and you want to make something happen. Uh, so even if he's making a fewer fewer pass attempts in that type of a scheme, uh, he may force the ball somewhere trying to make a play uh, and, you know, cha- change hands and we get the uh, the turnover advantage there. So um, even if they do have one of their, their guys back, you know, getting their first significant game action in several weeks, I, I think the game plan should be, uh, you know, double up on Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and just really try to take away the explosive passing plays and force them to run the ball and force them to have 12, 15 play drives down the field if they're going to score. Yeah, great points. I mean, it. Uh, I think this really also kind of falls into a lot of what Maryland was doing early on that gave them some success against Ohio State. Like they completely shut down Ohio State's run. Um, Ohio State finished with less than 100 yards rushing in that game. They forced Kyle McCord to, you know, beat them through the air, which eventually they did because it's just basically turnovers and talent just won out. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's there's a blueprint there of sorts. Yeah, I mean, I think, you're, you know, if you're forcing McCord to beat you through the air, you are playing with fire every time he drops back because these receivers that they have are so good that eventually mm-hmm. they will blow the top off your defense and, you know, catch a 70-yard ball. So if McCord throws the ball 40 times, he might throw a couple interceptions, but he might also get a couple, you know, really, really big, uh, you know, explosive plays. So I think if we really focus on layering our our coverage to, you know, press up front, keep those guys jammed up at the line, and then also have safety help over the top, and really not dedicate those safeties to run stopping, uh, I I think it, it should tempt them to run the ball more. Uh, and I like the matchup of our linebackers uh, tackling their running backs in space. Awesome. Yeah, Vince. So, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about these receivers, you know, for most of the season up to this point, just basically noting that this is probably the best collective wide receiver unit in the entire country. I mean, there's bona fide NFL guys everywhere that you look on this team. Um, how scared are you of this unit um, just you know, knowing that Penn State might have some good success shutting down the run, but there's always that threat of the passing attack. Uh, I would say maybe out of 10, uh, my concern level is maybe like a six. And the reason the reason why that is, is because of Ohio State's just pure talent. Uh, this is the best wide receiving core in the nation. However, Penn State does have a very talented secondary the pass rush has been really hot lately, and if we have, if we are able to uh, stop the run, that's going to make uh, Penn Ohio State one dimensional. And if you can make a team one dimensional and force them to throw, uh, I think that would benefit Penn State because then you can throw in some different blitz packages, and you have Kyle McCord, who's a first year starter, and that may uh, force some turnovers and give Penn State an advantage in the turnover battle. Yep, very good. I think that turnovers are going to be so key in this game. I mean, that really has been uh, kind of the major difference between these two teams, um, especially in some of the closer ones. I mean, last year, uh, all the all the interceptions that Clifford threw, I mean, granted, some of them were off of like insane efforts by the Ohio State defense, especially from JT Tui Maloao. But I mean, like those those were really kind of the big difference makers. So I have kind of a fun question here um, that was posed by one of my old 
sports communications teachers at Penn State. And I thought it was very interesting to kind of ponder. Uh, So I want to ask both of you guys, is this James Franklin's most important game of his time at Penn State so far? So, Charlie, let's start with you. Um, I think so, but by default, because it's always the, the next game is always the most important game. Uh, but just looking back, like kind of holistically at the question, I think that expectations have never been higher and his team has never been touted as being more complete than this team. Uh, so I think that the, the level of disappointment uh, is, is definitely greater. Uh, it, it feels like, uh, you know, a championship caliber roster this year. Uh, and I think part of that, the question mark coming into this year was, you know, will Drew Aller be up, up to the task in his first year under center? Uh, and it seems to be a resounding yes. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, the, the pressure is high, but I don't think it's pressure with any consequences. He's, he's our guy long-term. So um, I don't know how to gauge that type of pressure because there's no hot seat pressure for, for Franklin. Um, even if he like botches the game management at the end of the game and we lose a game, we should have won. Uh, his, his role as our head coach is pretty ironclad in my opinion. Yep. I would agree. So Vince, your thoughts, is this James Franklin's most important game at Penn state? I wouldn't say it's his most important game. Uh, it's definitely up there, like uh, definitely top five for sure. Um, if you go back to 2016 in the Big Ten Championship versus Wisconsin with how hot the team was, you got Trace McSorley balling out. You have you know Saquon Barkley, who's arguably one of the best running backs of you know all time in college football. Uh, you know, that was really high pressure. And Penn State had just been starved of a Big Ten Championship. So like for me, I think that was his biggest game as a coach in kind of the, the big scope of things. Also the, uh, the two Rose bowl matchups were, were huge. That's the granddaddy of them all. Um, Penn state's very passionate about the Rose bowl. So that Rose bowl matchup with uh, USC that we lost and the one with Utah that we won this past season. I think those ones can maybe eke ahead of it. And then other, other matchups against Ohio state too had a, uh, you know, similar caliber. Um, like that one year we blew that, uh, uh, was it a 28 to seven lead early in the game when Saquon had that kick return for a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Mm-hmm. That was, I feel this is a very similar pressure level to that. It is very high. It is most definitely uh, within the top five, especially with the expectations of the team playing so well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of symmetry there too. Like Penn state went to Pasadena they came into the year ranked within the top 10. I mean, they might have even had the same like preseason ranking. Uh, I mean, Penn State was ranked seventh. I believe they started 17, ranked sixth, but they're going to um, to Ohio State uh, for a top 10 matchup, just like they did in, in 2017. So there's definitely uh, some symmetry there. So it's a, uh, you know, kind of deals back into our superstitions here, Vince. So we, we need there not to be a repeat of 17. Because my heart still hurts from that one. Go ahead, that is maybe one of the most painful losses that I have ever seen as a Penn State fan, especially since so many things in that game did break our way. And the fact that we were unable to hold on, just, uh, you know, absolute heartbreak. Yeah, I was I was in the student section uh, with my wife and my brother uh, in the Ohio State student section at the shoe uh, when we blew that game. So 
man. Um, <laughs> I've never watched the the replay of it, but there could be a, a picture of me floating around the internet, doubled over uh, in my seat afterwards. Uh, that <laughs> one just, yeah, just rip, ripped your insides out. Oh my and we God. see Char- we see Charlie going from like a six six man all the way down to like a you know three foot child like the pain <laughs> yeah. curled up in a ball. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, yeah, yeah. That that final drive by Ohio State that was that just like rips the soul from your body. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like Ohio State's like the cat with nine lives. Like they get they right really down, are. They get right down to like the the brink. Uh, over and over and i mean i i'm a born and raised notre dame fan uh yeah two of my dad and i've already had my heart ripped out by ohio state once this year uh so i like to keep that to a maximum of once a year so maybe that was a good uh dress rehearsal for me too just getting that heartbreak done and dusted before the penn state game yeah there you go now i will say this so how many times do you see ohio state lose more than one game per year Rarely ever. Very rarely. So if Notre Dame wins that game, do you feel like that gives us a lesser chance to win? In a weird way. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Charlie. I was going to say that this Ohio State team reeks of less than past years. uh, And I wasn't going into that Notre Dame game, especially as it wore on. I was like, man, this Ohio State team might lose three or four games this year. Uh, they obviously pulled that one out and they've got us in Michigan on the schedule um, who could be, you know, L's for them. So we'll see. Um, I don't think so, though. I think, you know, in some ways you can either rally back from a loss like that or you can fold uh, like Notre Dame did against Louisville a couple weeks later. So um, I think it can go either way, especially with a young quarterback. I think that the, you know, you get into that, boiling hot seat of, you know, can Kyle McCord really be trusted to be the guy uh, if he doesn't turn, you know, it actually five plays before the game winning play, uh, you know, if the Notre Dame linebacker holds on to that interception, I think we're having a very different conversation about uh, our opponent and what Kyle McCord is and isn't capable of. That's a very good point. Yeah. So, uh, so while we have you here, uh, let's get some of your thoughts and predictions on how things play out on Saturday. So, um, as you know, we like to make some bold predictions on this show, um, inject some fun ideas as to like how Penn state is going to do or certain plays that they're going to execute. Uh, so Charlie, do you have a communion prediction for us? Yeah, I, I've got one. I think that Penn state gets to the 500 yard uh, passes, 500 yards of total offense. And I think that they do it balanced with 250 on in the air and 250 on the ground. Wow. So, All right. that, uh, I think Ohio state's shown a lot of vulnerability in their run defense. And then we can kind of play on that weakness through play action and make a few big plays through the air too. Um, so I am expecting a lot of balance. I'd like to see, uh, Katron and, uh, Nick each get up to 15 carries each, uh, and, and surpass 30 touches. Love it. Um, yeah. Good stuff. So, um, so we know, or I guess, you know, you're expecting a big offensive day for Penn state. So, um, when all is said and done in Ohio stadium, uh, what do you think the final score is going to look like? I've got us winning 31 to 21. Um, and I think we're going to be up by 17 points at some point in the second half. Wow. I I don't know how, how that looks and how that shakes out, but, 
I just think this team uh, does too good of a job protecting the ball. Uh, so if it's a field position game, I think we'll win that early on. Uh, and then we'll start to wear them down uh, and really pick up a lot of those rushing yards in the second half. Uh, that's the formula that Notre Dame uh, almost successfully uh, followed uh, in their close loss to Ohio State earlier in the year. Uh, Esteve at the end of the game was just running wild on that defense. And we have two guys uh, in our backfield of the, that caliber. Uh, so I just I think you give both those guys even touches and towards the end of the game, they just start running downhill for five, seven, eight yards at a time. Great stuff, man. Well, I mean, that's uh, I, that certainly gives uh, someone like me hope because I'm always just terrified whenever we have to play Ohio State. I mean, the opportunity is so great, but, you know, it just it's just like one of those things where your heart gets broken so many times that uh, you, you just never, like, kind of get rid of that scar fully. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, be the goldfish and just forget. Charlie, I have one question for you. So in uh, Coach Franklin's presser, he mentioned that they were record, uh, recruiting uh, Kyle McCord out of St. Joseph's Prep. And actually his high school coach is on Penn state's coaching staff. Uh, What impact do you think that has on the game in the defense preparation for Kyle McCord? Um, I feel like they should maybe have a little bit more familiarity, but at the same time, it's really all about what scheme you're operating within. Uh, So I don't know how much of that familiarity translates from the high school recruiting trail to the game plan against him uh, operating Ryan day's offense. Uh, so maybe not too much, um, maybe a little bit of added juice for our guys on defense to, you know, uh, get to the quarterback who kind of spurned, uh, Penn state. Uh, Mm. but you know, who wants him? We've got Drew Aller. He's got a way better arm. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Confidence in our guy, our fearless Um, leader. Actually, actually one more comment too, uh, that I wanted to address about Drew Aller. Uh, you know, I don't know when the last time a Penn State quarterback made it this deep into a season without throwing an interception. I know. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, I mean, he should have had one interception against Illinois, it hit right off the guy's chest. Uh, but otherwise, I-, I think, you know, it's not an accident that he's made it this long without throwing a pick. He's one of the smartest throwers of the football I've ever seen at the college level. Uh, if he's got guys running, you know, like back shoulder routes, he may miss the route, but he'll throw it away into the outside where it's either going to be a catch or an incompletion. Um, so in some ways, you know, Drew's been maybe criticized a little bit for a lower completion rate. Uh, but I think that that's really just a, a reflection of how careful he is with the ball. Uh, and I can't recall a Penn State quarterback in recent memory that has had this degree of uh, care for the ball. Uh, you know, Trace was a, a notable gunslinger, Brett Favre type. Uh, and Sean had a, you know, a, a penchant for giving the ball away. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's definitely an NFL caliber kind of uh, decision making and accuracy with where he puts the ball when he misses. So I hope that he continues to do the same uh, this game. Uh, and I think you, you may see, you know, a, a little downtick. He might complete 50 to 60 percent of his passes instead of having a higher completion rate. But I'll take that all day if he doesn't throw any uh, interceptions. Yeah, and I think the defense would agree with you. Uh, agreed. Yeah, and field position game and the whole nine yards. I think, you know, it's staying on schedule and winning the turnover battle has been just a 
remarkably steady, consistent, uh, you know, formula for us this season. And I, I think we continue to stay on schedule, continue to protect the ball. Um, and, you know, that, that should serve us well. And keeping him upright, right? He's only been sacked four times this year. We had guys like Christian Hackenberg got sacked like nine or ten times in a few games. If I, re- I may be exaggerating, but it felt like he got yeah. sacked like every other time he dropped back. Well, no, so, yeah. In what was it, 2014 when they played Temple, he got sacked like ten times in that one game. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, we're a third of the way through the season, and Drew's been sacked four times. This Ohio State pass rush hasn't been producing big sack numbers. So, you know, maybe he stays upright, uh, keeps the ball, uh, you know, from changing hands. And, uh, you know, we end up in a, in, on the right side of the turnover battle. And, you know, that was really the, the death cross for us last year was that we lost the turnover battle uh, at the end of the game. And it really torpedoed our, you know, otherwise, you know, really promising showing um, I, I think that that's going to be a defining difference this year. Those are the th- a couple of the comments that I wanted to just get out in the open there. Um, I've got nothing else other than just, uh, you know, just a, another word of appreciation for coming on again this year. Uh, I look forward to this week and chatting about, you know, what our prospects are for the Ohio State game uh, every year. Uh, so as much as I now mark the, you know, mark the calendar for, you know, th- that matchup, I mark the calendar for this conversation too, because it's just a lot of fun. Appreciate that, man. The feeling is mutual. We love having you uh, come on and share your unique perspective, your your family rivalry of this game, and your love for the Nittany Lions. So thanks for your time. <laughs> awesome. Take care, guys. All right, and we are back. So Vince, uh, what else do you got in this game? Or do you want to chat a little bit more about Penn State football, college football around the country? Like what's on your mind? So I asked Charlie this, but not you. Um, mm-hmm. So we talked about how you know Penn State was recruiting Kyle McCord. He was a St. Joe prep guy, so Philly guy. Um, his high school coach is on Penn State's coaching staff. Do you think that gives the Penn State defense an advantage heading into this matchup, just having experience of him as a high school athlete? I mean, I guess um, in a way, maybe there's like some you know mental advantage there. I think that, you know, so often these quarterbacks just are really a product of the program that they walk into. So, you know, maybe they'll be able to like learn something like, oh, he has like this like little tick or quirk or something like that. But I don't think it's going to be like enough to really kind of influence kind of the flow of the game. Um, I'd be surprised if if there was something like that out there. Uh, But I just think that, you know, like... Ryan Day and crew, like they know how to like coach top tier quarterbacks at Ohio State. So I don't th- I don't necessarily think like the old coach of uh, Kyle McCord is going to be like kind of the, the silver bullet. OK, I, I do think it gives you a little bit of an advantage in terms of familiarity. Uh, you know, you can use the NFL as an example. You know, the divisional games are typically really competitive. Like if you look at the NFC East, like it doesn't matter like how bad, you know, like the Washington commanders or the New York giants are, those games always seem to end up being tight. And that's just because they know each other so well, they know what the other team likes to do. They've seen it year after year, twice a year. And I think, I think just being familiar, that's going to, you know, 
uh, help Penn State know his limitations and what he can do and not do. Now, obviously, that's going to change because he's matured as a man from like 18 years old to I'm not sure what year he is now, probably like 20, 21, um, you know, sitting a couple years behind guys like CJ Stroud. So, again, obviously, a lot of that's going to change mentally. Lots, he's he's a lot smarter, but you know it is always good to know and have that familiarity. And you you made that good point earlier in terms of uh, Penn State and Ohio being really close to each other, and there's a lot of recruiting battles and a lot of guys who played each other in high school. So I think that familiarity just makes that game a lot more competitive. Like you, like you mentioned earlier in the show. Gotcha. So your your position is more like any kind of edge that you can get from those past associations, like could be the difference. Yeah. So I would say it's like better having him than not having him. Sure. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yep. All right. So I I saw several memes that were like, okay, if you are planning a wedding, do not do it this weekend, the 21st, 22nd weekend. Uh, What other college football games are you amped up to see outside of, uh, you know, Penn state, Ohio state? Well, I mean, yeah, like when you looked at this schedule uh, at the beginning of the season, you would look at it and be like, damn, like this might be like the best week of college football. Um, Obviously, I think ours is the biggest game on the slate this this week, but you have Alabama and Tennessee, which is uh, still a ranked matchup. Um, uh, You know, I think similar to some other teams that we've talked about, I think that Alabama is, you know, they're beatable this year relative to uh, some past years. So that's one out there. We've got um, Utah and USC, which always produces a really great matchup. Um, Utah has got another really strong defense. Um, USC is probably going to have to rely very heavily on Caleb Williams to kind of carry that team to victory. Um, You know, so I think that'll, that'll be an interesting one as well. It's crazy. Like how far, USC fell after losing uh, to Notre Dame, like falling all the way to 18. So I wonder if that's going to be kind of a little chip on their shoulder too, to kind of regain like some of that, that lost luster. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That, but however, Utah is kind of like Notre Dame. They have a really stout defense. Yep. Like UCLA, they won that game 14 to seven without cam rising. Uh, So, you know, that Utah defense is legit. So, uh, in terms of, you know, USC going up against them, uh, I think they could have a tough running, especially if, uh, cam rising's healthy. Uh, I, I haven't kept up with that. He's been injured. Do you, do you know if he's returned? I don't think he has yet. Um, because I guess he did an interview in the past two weeks or something like that, that basically like his, his injury against Penn state was actually a, a lot worse than it initially seemed like he basically tore every ligament in his knee in that game, unfortunately, um, which is a real shame because that, that go- that guy is just like a, a pure baller. He's just he gives off like such like trace McSorley vibes, like just trying to be a warrior, go out there and do everything for your team. So um, I hope he comes back soon because he's, he's very exciting to watch, but I don't think that he's back yet. Yeah. Really impressive season by Utah. So just looking at last week, Cam didn't play. Uh, Barnes is their starting quarterback. So really impressive that they've managed to stay ranked number 16. Uh, they're five and one on the season. So really good start. I think like Utah fans were like hoping he would be back for the USC game. 
But mm-hmm. uh, definitely a bummer to see, you know, one of the one of the better quarterbacks in college football not be able to go out there and play. Um, some other games I think are going to be exciting. Definitely Duke, Florida State. Uh, oh, yeah. I think Florida State's kind of starting to, to pull away and really be that that team that's ahead in the ACC. They've they've been looking really good. They've looked like a playoff team. I think that some other good ones. I think Clemson has a good matchup this weekend. You have uh, Clemson at Miami. Both teams four and two. Both teams are ranked at uh, one point or another in the season. I think that will be a good matchup. So those are definitely the the big couple ones that I I really have circled outside of the uh, the Penn State game. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, it's it's going to be a fun fun week. I mean, there's also some other ranked versus non-ranked matchups. Uh, you got Mizzou taking on uh, USC, the SEC version of it. Um, <laughs> Iowa taking on Minnesota. Um, and what's really funny about Iowa is that they look like they're on a path to be 11 and one and win the big 10 West, (laughs) even after getting blanked by Penn state. Like that's, that's the state of the big 10 West man, like that Iowa and they might accomplish this while still having one of the worst offenses in college football. That is insane to me. Can you imagine like, a team going 11 and one, but they don't average 25 points a game. And like the offensive coordinator gets fired. I I know like after this, going like 11 and one, like you think your job is pretty secure for real. I mean, it's honestly like it's, it, it's such a, it's such an Iowa and it's such a big 10 thing that this is even a possibility. Yeah. Just uh wild course college football. Like every week's different. Um, I think uh, another one that could be interesting, maybe Washington State at Oregon. Uh, we didn't talk about that one. Oregon's coming off the close loss to Washington. They might be a little banged up from a real physical game. Washington State, uh, kind of a two-game losing streak. They lost like 44-6 to to Arizona, kind of out of the blue. So I think that'll be kind of interesting to see if they can bounce back and, and look like a ranked team again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it uh, like anything can happen now. It's the second half of the season, so this is really where um, kind of the the cream of the crop tends to reveal itself. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised. You have Northwestern here at three and three. I know. Yeah, it is. You wouldn't think, but yeah, <laughs> like they've uh, got they've gotten some wins. Oh, they got a win over Howard. Okay. Mm. So that's okay. That makes a little more sense. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're playing Nebraska this week and uh other areas of the Big Ten. Of course the night game went to like Michigan, Michigan State, which no one's gonna watch. I'm sure Michigan is gonna crush them. Yeah. They are going to be annihilated in East Lansing. Um and then Rutgers is gonna be at Indiana. Kind of feels weird to say, but I think Rutgers is favored in this one. I know, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I uh, like Rutgers in that game. Yeah, me too. Uh, five and two on the season. Imagine them having bull eligibility before Halloween. We we don't say that too often. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, they're having a, a pretty nice year over there. Um, so hopefully we can spoil it when they come back to Happy Valley. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? Just want to give a quick shout out to uh, 
one of our guys, Trace McSorley, it was announced earlier today that he uh, is signing with the Chicago Bears. Um, I believe Justin Fields is dealing with like a minor injury, so it looked like they wanted to get some extra um, quarterback help. So our guy McSorley is uh, joining the Bears with uh, this will be what I guess his fourth team in the NFL uh, following the Ravens, the uh, Cardinals, the Patriots, and now the Bears, the Bears. So uh, good for him. But yeah, other than that, man, I'm just I'm I'm jazzed and pumped for this game. I mean, this is this really is kind of the this is the the watershed moment. Like this is, this is what's going to determine um, how the rest of the season goes. So it's, uh, it's, you know, going to be tremendous nerves for us as fans, but it's also a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. If you're a Penn state fan, this is like your super bowl every single year. Uh, it doesn't matter what the record is. And, um, honestly, Andrew, when's the last time, do you know the last time Penn state was undefeated into November? Into November. Oh man, that's honestly a tough one um Good trivia it, question. Might, it might be 2008 actually um when uh it was daryl clark and crew um and they lost their lone game in the big 10 or in the regular season at iowa do you want to look that up real quick sure one sec yeah so um Looks like I, I might have been right here. Um, I don't I don't know if this is the most recent time that this has happened, uh, but this is one time. It might also be uh, 2017, but I think the Ohio State game came in October of that I year. Think, yeah, I think it was before Halloween. Gotcha. Yeah. So in 2008, Penn State was, um, let's see here, 9-0 heading to Iowa and they lost that game on November 8th. So I believe that might be the last time. That's a good one. Um, we, we should also try to Google the last time a Penn state quarterback made it halfway through a season without a turnover. Yeah, we might, that that's going to require a bit more than one Google search. Google so. search. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we're going to find this one. Yeah. This is, this is going to be an off pod, uh, research effort. I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, any final thoughts before you want to get out of here? Yeah, just a couple of uh, quick housekeeping notes. So um, go and check out our website, nittanyblues.com. It has a fresh new look. It's more modern. It's uh, just uh, more user-friendly, looks cooler. So um, definitely recommend you go and check that out. It has more information about us, our show, the history behind it, who's involved and everything like that. Um, so Go and check that out. You can listen to all of our previous episodes there. And um, one thing that I wanted to also bring up, uh, which we haven't done up to this point, so this is going to be something new for our show, is um, the option for listeners to donate. So this is uh, not anything that we expect listeners to do by any stretch of the imagination. Um, You know, we love producing this show week in and week out. We absolutely enjoy uh, putting this together and we will continue to do so. Um, But if you do feel obligated, um, you can make a small donation that helps go back into the show. It'll help us uh, kind of put more into our production, do cooler things, produce different forms of content. 
um, for you to enjoy about Penn State football and Penn State athletics as a whole. Uh, so there's more information on how you can do that on the website as well. If you go to nittanyblues.com slash support, um, there's, you know, more details around that, but you know, even if you're not able, um, to, you know, make a monetary donation, we understand that that is not in the cards for everybody not to worry. We will continue to produce the show and you will still be able to listen to it absolutely free. Uh, but there are some great ways um, that you can support the show for free um, that do actually make a difference and help us out. Um, so I'll let Vince cover that. But I wanted to just kind of point that out as well as that, you know, that's certainly an option if you feel obligated. Um, you know, we certainly do not expect it, but it's like a, you know, a tip jar that you find at your local restaurant. Like they're not expected, but they'll, but they'll always be appreciated. Uh, so just wanted to throw that out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends, uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star review. So other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us interested in new episodes. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening. And we want to remind you that we are the Nittany blues podcast. We'll see you next time.